0: Today's scripture comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14, and Romans 12, 3 to 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many." Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This is the word of the Lord.
1: We are in part 10 of a series called Union with Christ. And um, for those of you who haven't, you know, been walking with us, this is at the center of what we believe as Christians. That the central gift that we receive is to be united to Jesus Christ and with Him we get all things. We get forgiveness. We get washing. We get a new heart. We get a new destiny. We get His church family. And we get united to Him through the Holy Spirit. Now, What I'm going to do here, what I want to do is just quickly just take us a little bit where we are, have been, just very brief review, and then let's get into today's message, which I've entitled, Members One of Another. Members One of Another. So quick review. Let me give you this, this really important quote from John Calvin, one of the great Bible teachers of all time in his important book, Institutes of the Christian Religion, book 3.1.1. Point One. All right? It is true that we obtain union with Christ by faith. How do you get it? By faith. You get it by believing in the gospel. It is true that we obtain union with Christ by faith. Yet since we see that not all indiscriminately embrace that communion with Jesus Christ— which is offered through the gospel, reason itself teaches us to climb higher and to examine the secret energy of the Spirit by which we come to enjoy Christ and all His benefits. That's what we're doing right now in this series. I am challenging you to climb higher and examine the secret energy of the Holy Spirit so that you can enjoy Christ. And all his benefits. And the way, and then that, that portion of the text, he says, to sum up, the Holy Spirit is the bond by which Christ effectually unites us to himself. Okay? This is why we're talking so much about the Holy Spirit. And because it is the Holy Spirit who, bond, who is our bond of union to Jesus. But for so many Christians, it's like the Holy Spirit, that part's ex- extra mysterious. But the Holy Spirit is so, so important. And your union to Jesus is not like just a concept. It's not just like a legal framework. It's not just some kind of sentimental idea. It is a real, it's a very real reality and a very real power. And It's nothing less than the third person of the Holy Trinity himself, the Holy Spirit. Okay. A couple weeks ago, I gave you this verse. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm just going to read just, just a quick the, the most relevant portions which will lead us to where we're going is this. verse, Chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, and then verse 10. Among the mature, we do impart wisdom. That is, if you are spiritually mature. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age, we are do- who are doomed to pass away. So, you know, we live in Silicon Valley here. This is a place filled with a lot of smart people. I mean, really, in terms of IQ and world knowledge, I mean, this has got to be one of the top places where some of the smartest, smartest people show up. But what the Bible says is that the wisdom that we need has nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> okay? doesn't have anything to do with any of that. It says, it is we impart a wisdom not of this age or of the rulers of this age, Verse 7, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. Not our professors, not our governors, not our presidents, not our most brilliant people. They don't understand this unless, unless of course, they know Jesus. And here is what we're, where we're going to. You know, John Calvin talks about climb higher and examine the secret energy of the Spirit. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says there is a a hidden wisdom of God. Now let me read one more verse from that passage, verse 10. These things, that is the secret and hidden wisdom of God. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. All right? So it's a little bit about where we were. And last week, I gave you a message, particularly how important it is that the Holy Spirit is, dwells in God's people. The people of God are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about the building the church. I'm not even primarily talking about the institutional body that we call church. We're talking about the people. And how can you receive of this power, of this wisdom of the Holy Spirit, one tremendously important avenue is through God's people. And so that's such an important lesson that I wanted to have a follow-up on that today. And that's why I'm taking you into this message entitled, Members One of Another. Members one of another. And so now let's get into it. Part one. Members bound together by the Holy Spirit. All right? If you believe in Jesus Christ, you become a member of a body. That's what the Bible teaches. But what I want to emphasize is how those members of the body are bound together by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Members bound together by the Holy Spirit. That's part one. Part two. The Holy Spirit's power and effects made sight. The Holy Spirit's power and effects made sight. So when I was a, a young man, I said, okay, I know, I believe there's a being called the Holy Spirit who is actually the third person of the Holy Trinity. But how do you know he's, he's in the room? <laughs> how do you know if he's around? How do you know if the Holy Spirit is doing stuff? It's like, I go to church and there's people doing religion people are doing being people is the holy spirit actually around (laughs) is the holy spirit is is that just some kind of like you know strange little religion just idea that doesn't seem to have much tangible reality and i want to let you know oh there's very tangible reality that's what part two is going to be about okay and part three the gospel the holy spirit and self-giving love all right the gospel, the Holy Spirit, and self-giving love. Um, I want to help you rethink how you think about love and how you think about the Holy Spirit and how they're very, very connected, okay? Okay, let's go to part one. Um, let's go to this uh, passage that uh, we, we looked at last week, and I'm just going to just get at the very beginning, okay? Last week... We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 14. and let me just, just just have a quick review of this because it's, it, it, it's right, you know, you'll see how, how closely tied it is into this other passage, which we're going to look at today. For just as the body is one, one body, so you know like there's two bodies, three bodies up here, and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many. Are one body. So it's like Paul wanted to make sure you get there's one body, many members. And then there's like a bunch of members, but you get it, they're one body. So it is with Christ. And then this is what he said, and we, we talked about this last week, verse 13. For in one Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit. For in the one Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, doesn't matter what your ethnicity is, doesn't matter what your status is in society, rich or poor, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So, I want to just start right here. Um, In America, we're really bad at seeing that when people get together, there could be a oneness. We're really bad at it. In America, we're hyper-individualistic. The, some of you, when you come into a, a room like this, you, you see and you can, you'll count up all the people in here and you will see the, whatever that number is, but you won't see one. You won't see one. But the Bible's very strong. The body is one, has many members. And so this is the, the analogy, the, this picture the Bible uses. You know, um, you, are, you could be a finger. You could be a toe, you could be, as I said, like not even very visible. My wife is one of those people that, that doesn 't like being up front, okay, and um, she would be happy to be in church and do her part, but not be seen and so if she could choose to be a body part, she'd happily be a pancreas, and nobody would know what a pancreas looks like or a scene, all right, and there are some of you like that, but You know, if you look at a body, you know, there's fingers or toes, if they were just all strewn all over the place, you would go, there's something wrong here, (laughs) okay? I see a lung, and I see a finger, and I see a toe, and you would go, and you would feel that there's something not together. (laughs) That there's a oneness that's missing. And maybe because, you know, we, we just live our lives, it's hard for us to see that when you come to give your life to Jesus Christ, you are never now just belonging to yourself. You never ever just truly belong to yourself anymore. In America, we believe I'm me and I belong to me. <laughs> I am I'm my own king. I own everything about me. I get to like, do every, whatever I want with my body. It's even getting quite radical. Right? We even have people who think you can radically change your body and, and, and think you can change your sex even. I mean, it's, it's that radical, the individualism in our culture. But if you believe in Jesus, you are now, you belong, and now he has now brought you together to be part of a body. And that body, as it said in 1 Corinthians 12, is we were all made to drink of one spirit. That's what we were talking about all last week. And so I want to say something really strong about this, all right? You come to church and if you are a pancreas or if you're a little finger, just imagine if you're just kind of like just disembodied from the whole body. So you're a pancreas and you're just out there, okay? You're a little finger and you're just out there. How will you live? How will you have Wisdom and energy and direction and power and love and joy. You need to drink from something. You need to eat of the food and of the energy that the whole body is going to draw from, right? So every day, unless you're like on some kind of strict diet or fasting, how does the members of your body get its life, get its energy, get its power and its purpose? The body drinks, like drinks water, or maybe you drink coffee, and then the the brain goes, whoa, okay, we're awake now, right? And we drink, the body eats. The body takes in life and power together, and then all the members of the body then receive that power. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that you are a member of the body, and the whole body drinks what? From the Holy Spirit. And so, if you drink of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter whether you're a pinky or a toe or a pancreas, you're going to get that life. Just as your pinky or your toe or your pancreas, if you drink water, you will get the benefits of water. If you drink caffeine, caffeinated coffee, your toe will receive that, right? And of course, if you drink something really, really bad like poison, then your toe will receive that. And then your toe and your pancreas, and your finger will start dying, right? And that's basically how the world works. We're disembodied, and then we're disembodied, and we're always drinking from the world, its lies and its poisons. Mm -hmm. But what God offers is that we would be brought into his body and we would drink of the Holy Spirit, all right? Let's go to a passage I want to sit a little bit more on today. So Romans chapter 12, and it says a very similar thing. And it's worth it to see what's similar, but also what's a little different. But I want you to see how important this is. Just why, let me just give you a little hint as, as you get the, the, the way a pastor, preacher thinks. If I ever save a message, and then next week I basically give you the same topic all over again, you can bet I think It's important. And you know why I think it's important? Because the Bible thinks it's important. It's not in one passage; it's in multiple places. And so, um, and then if you if you are of course pastored by me, you will hear me preachers like, okay, well he preached on that six months ago, and he preached on that two two years ago, and then he because I preaches on this a lot. And of course, in our church, what do you get every Sunday? The gospel. The gospel is the food. The spirit is the drink. Okay? Let's um, look at Romans 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Verse 4. Here's a verse I really want us to sit in a little today. For as in one body, here we go, one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So though many are one body, so though many, we though many, here we go again, are one body in Christ. Let me emphasize this. You know what in Christ means? In in union with Christ, in communion with Christ, to always... You, you dwell in Him, and He dwells in you. That's the most basic definition I gave of what union with Christ is. So let me read this again. We, though many, are one body in union with Christ. (laughs) The we is in union with Christ. Much of this series, I have emphasized how you, you as an individual, are united to Jesus Christ. But now I want us to emphasize that you are never united to Jesus Christ by yourself. You are united to Jesus Christ in the we of the one body. And then I want to say, what does he say next? And so we, though many are one body in union with Christ, and individually members one of another. Individually members one of another. It's a kind of quick, seemingly throwaway phrase that we don't pay attention to too much. But oh my goodness, it's so important. Let me just point out a few things here. Um, first, you're, you are a member of what? Where is your member of you? Like this is who I am as a me. Individually, it says individually, I am a member of What? And most Americans always think, whatever I choose, whatever. And then, like, when I don't want to be a part of that anymore, then I, I'm just like, I'm gone. I'm not a part of that anymore. And, and we mostly think of, like, whoever we are, it's, it always is it's a belonging to me, and I'm at the center of it. But I want to say, but the Bible says we are members one of another. One of another. Um. Let me say it first in a positive way, and then let me say it kind of in the negative way when I say what we're not, okay? That means if you are a Christian, you are always of the church. Always. That's why last week I came out so strong about Christians shouldn't ever, like, you know, insult the church or put the church down. This doesn't mean we cannot admit what's wrong and not good about the church because there's always things not Good, okay? Because we're sinful. But first, you're always of the church. And let me, let me press this even a little further. You should always, if you are a Christian and you don't think you belong to, you know, you don't have to go to church or you don't have to be a part of a church, you're, you're living in delusion land. You're like a, a pancreas that's just sitting out there by themselves. How will you drink of the Holy Spirit? I mean, a pancreas sitting out by himself is going to die because he's not going to drink of the Holy Spirit. The church as a body drinks of the Holy Spirit together. And you know, if you are a member one of another, it's, it's, oh man, it's so deep. That means you should join a church, covenantally become a member of that church. And you know what that means? Okay, now this is getting really serious. That means all the other members of the church, you are members one of another. That means everybody in the church who is a member, they belong to you. And guess what? You belong to them. Everybody in the church, they owe you. (laughs) Guess what? You owe them. And there's no such thing as you're just like, I'm just going to rip the part and, and then run away again, that's like a finger being you know, disunited. And all throughout, um, you know, uh, I, I was a, as a young man, I've watched, since I was a young man, I've watched people who know Jesus, love Jesus. They receive Jesus through a particular church. There's a period where that church is really being the church, and people are following Christ together, and there's real unity in Christ together. And then, something really bad happens. Maybe the pastor steals from the church or one of the elders uh, cheats on his wife or maybe somebody teaches bad doctrine or just, just, it just goes really bad. And then people leave church because it hurts them so much. And then they like, that's it. And then they get this bad attitude to church. And then you know what happens though? Then they just start to shrivel and they start to get lost. They start to get hurt. Because they did not know those people, they really needed those people. <laughs> that they were a member, one another, of them. And those people were how the Holy Spirit came into their life, and they drank of life. And now that's, that's not happening. And since so it's not happening, they're shriveling, and then not, it's not long that they are not following Jesus. And then their marriage starts tanking, and they start loving money more, and cheating on their wives, and then their children start getting lost, and it's like, it's almost inevitable, okay? Now, let me say something else. What being one of members one of another is not? Let me say it this way. Members one of another doesn't mean that you are not primarily of a political party. You're not a member. Don't come to church and say, okay, that person's Republican, (laughs) I'm not going to hang out that person. Don't do that. Oh, that person is a Democrat. Because you're like, I'm a member of the Republican Party. <laughs> so you come to church thinking I'm a member of the Republican Party. But the, Bi- the Bible said you're a member one of another. You know, my, who I am, how I'm brought together, it's like I'm crazy if I don't love Walter, if I'm not there for him. If I'm not there for, for, for James, if I'm not there for Anna, and I hope they'll be there for me, and generally in this church, you have been. You know what that is? That's members, one of another. Don't bring some alien thing that you're like, I'm a member of this, that's the thing that matters. The politics, or how about this, or my tribe. Okay, this is wild. So I'm Korean. I regularly meet Koreans and they think that if I embrace, they are actually surprised if I embrace somebody who's not Korean and I'm really close to them and because they're a Christian (laughs) and I'm like, "What, what, what do you, what do you mean? That's what it says in the Bible. Members one of another because a lot of Korean Christians, guess what? They think of being Korean members one of another, but those white folks over there at that church, I'm not sure if I'm members with them. It, it, it's, it's it's been wild. Um, I've I, I've been in it, I was I was an English speaking pastor in a Korean immigrant church, and I could tell that when some non-Koreans like I mean they were like obviously non-Korean. I mean if you're Chinese sometimes they, you can't tell if you're Korean or not, right? But like somebody walked in the church and they're like white or they were black, and then some of the other Korean folks in the church were like, like well well basically what is he doing here? I'm like, what do you mean he's. Worshipping Jesus here, right? And because the Bible says members one of another. You hear it? It's higher than your tribe, your ethnicity, definitely higher than your politics. And don't be thinking things like this members one another, whatever your badge of righteousness and standards are, your status. People show up at church and they're like, I only want to hang out with people who went to, uh, you know, certain kinds of colleges. I only want to hang out with people who shop at the stores that I like to shop. I only want to hang out with people that like to watch the shows that I watch, you know? And you have these little badges by which you find that, that little, you know, birds of a like feather like to gather. And then we have these little markers by which we say, I am a member of this. I'm a member of the Warriors fan club. But it can get worse. Like, I'm a member of all the people who went to UC Berkeley, and we think, you know, some schools are not as good as our school, and we're not going to hang out with those people. That's bad. That is not how we are members. We are members one of another. It's incredible. Um, Union with Christ means we are bonded to Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. But that means we are bonded to Jesus Christ because we are not his body. So let me tell you the picture of the, in the Bible. He is the head. We are the body. You notice we're connected. How does the, the head lead? Okay. You know, I hope in your life your, your toe doesn't lead. Right? I hope in your life your stomach doesn't lead. And some of us, that's the case. Right? And sometimes, you know, it can be like, You know, you get certain urges, (laughs) and that controls your body. Or sometimes we get certain addictions, and that controls our body. But Jesus is our head, and we are united to him. See, the body is united to the head. And all of the head, how do you receive the leadership and the power and all the benefits of Jesus? Through the Spirit. And the Spirit, now the whole body, we are members of one another, and we drink of the Spirit together. And that's how we are under the head, united to Jesus, okay? All right, okay, I gotta be fast in part two. The Holy Spirit's power and effects made sight. I I wanna just show you, let's talk about two. Two, it's in this passage, Romans 12. Romans 12, there's two things. So how do you know the Holy Spirit's around? How do you know the Holy Spirit, I mean, he's an invisible being. Let me tell you something. Who believes in invisible stuff? That's crazy. You all believe in invisible stuff. Everybody believes in invisible stuff. That's why we're wearing masks, okay? Because viruses are invisible to the naked eye. We all believe in invisible stuff. If someone hates you, it's not necessarily always visible. If someone loves you, it's not necessarily visible. And if we say that we are one nation together and we're bounded together as Americans, it's kind of an invisible reality. We all believe in invisible stuff. But the real question is, how can you see its reality and its power? And in this passage, I want to show you two, just two. There's a lot, but let me show you two. And help you to see where the Holy Spirit is at work. And where the Holy Spirit is at work, that's where you should drink. And where the Holy Spirit is at work is, guess what? In the people around you, in his church. Those are the people you want to be around. We will drink from the Holy Spirit with them and through them, and then you, being united, will grow and get more and more tight to Jesus. So, uh, me, I read this already once, but let me read this. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Let me ask this question. So he just told you, everybody don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Now let me just ask you a question. Is that easy? Are you good at not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think? Are you good at that? Are you good at that? And if you think you're good at that, let me tell you, you're really bad at it, okay? That's a really good sign. I'm really good at it. I'm like, okay, there's 99.99% chance you just proved that you're really bad at it. And if we move along in life, we all know we're bad at it. You know why? Because first of all, how well should I think of myself? I don't know. I'm not, yeah, I'm not even sure. But I, you know what I do know? I want to think highly of myself. Is there anybody in this room that wants to think badly of yourself? You want to go home? You look in the mirror. You're ugly. <laughs> You're dumb. You really screwed up. Why did you say that really bad thing to yourself? Why did you say that bad thing in front of everybody and then made yourself look really, really bad? Okay. Now, everything I just said, some of you say that to yourself. <laughs> right? And It hurts. And when it comes from you especially, it's terrible. And so, since it hurts, you don't generally say that to yourself, do you? And if somebody else says it to you, you run away from those people. But we all want to think highly of ourselves. But how do you know when you should not think more highly than you ought to think? And let me tell you, just here's the first one. It sounds almost too easy because the people who have drank of the gospel they have drank they have eaten the food of the gospel they have drank of the holy spirit you know what they do they go around and other people and they are not now they can actually forget how how good or how bad they are they're like you know what i am loved by jesus i'm secure and safe in jesus by grace not how smart I am, how good looking I am, how well I perform as a Christian. It's holy by grace. In fact, I've seriously screwed up in so many ways. Oh my goodness. But I'm secure in Jesus. And you know what that does for a person? That means now you can meet all these other people and when you find out that they are wiser than you, better looking than you, Richer than you. They sing better than you. They're more generous than you. They know more things about jobs. They know more things about taxes. They know more things about cars. They know more things about the opposite sex. You don't have to pretend. You know what? You go like, I rejoice. All these people who are so good at so many things who are better than me. And instead of going, let me, let me puff myself up to like, okay, wait, so tearing that person down or let me try to think better myself to puff myself up. Instead, you know what you can do? All that is good in them. All that is in them from God, you could receive and you could drink of it. And when a person can be like that and they could be like that more often than not, and you know it's because Christ is at the bottom of their soul, Occasionally I meet a non-Christian who could be like this. But it's unusual. <laughs> Most non-Christians are, I'm better than you. Ha! <laughs> they don't actually say that. <laughs> they just kind of walk into the room like prettier than everybody else. They walk into the room like with fancier stuff than everybody else. And they don't they don't actually say with their mouth, see I'm better than you. See how kind of like expensive clothes I have, which you don't have. But, you know, and of course, not everybody has that spirit. Oh, but they, a lot of people do. Huh. Or the other problem is, I'm so much worse, and so I'm insecure and always jealous. I'm always covetous. I'm always you know, trying to poke a hole into somebody else. But if a person could truly be free this way, humble, and can receive other people, let me tell you, they have drank of the Holy Spirit. So when you're around people like this and you know that they are in Christ, then they have the union with Christ. The Holy Spirit is moving in them. You should drink from them. Be around them. Drink of that from that spirit that you their spirit is the Holy Spirit. And they, in the body of Christ, is now helping you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's incredible. You know how one of the greatest ways that you can drink of the Holy Spirit is to be around other people who have drank of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to verse 9. Here's the other one. And it's almost too obvious to say. But let me, let me um, say this. Verse 9. Let love be genuine. Let love be authentic. Let love be real. Why is that in there? Because Paul is not dumb. He knows that you can talk to a people at church and he knows that they can say love, but it's fake. (laughs) They could say we're doing love, but it's not real. He knows that. It's inauthentic, it's not genuine. But here's what he says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Let me just stop for a moment here. If you don't know what's good, you won't know how to love. If you don't know how to cut out evil, all your love will start becoming not genuine. All your love, what you think is love, will be so kind of dirty and corrupt, you won't actually be doing love. And it's one way that love stops being genuine. Just let's let's, let's use a quick example. Um, Some of you have parents. And um, they said, we really want you to succeed well in life. In order to succeed well in life, you should get all A's. In order to get all A's, then once you get all A's, you'll get into a great school. And then you'll have a great life. And then you don't get all A's. And then lots of really bad stuff comes out of your mom or your dad's mouth and you're starting to feel like I thought I'm supposed to do well in school because you love me (laughs) but actually I think it has something to do with you doesn't it? it has something to do with your agenda and your status and have you ever had one or maybe both your parents as a child you know your parents love you, but they love you in a way, at least in this area, it's not genuine love. Do you get what I'm talking about? And there's a thousand ways we're like this. This is why love must seek holiness. It must. right? And that's why love needs the wisdom of genuine righteousness, not fake righteousness, phoniness. So that the love is genuine and wonderful and life-giving all the time. Verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Um, so I want just, to just sit here for a moment. If you go to a church and they really love each other because Christ has loved them first. And they're always fighting to make it genuine. And when they have affection for each other, it's real. It's real. I hope when, when we do Peace of Christ, we will hug. I, I'm kind of waiting for the pandemic to pass and everybody's okay with hugging again. Because I long to hug you. So you can know my affection for you is real. And the love is genuine. And if there's something bad in me that's making my love ungenuine... I want you to say it, Pastor. You seem to be kind of like this, and it seems to be more about you, not about the love of Jesus or we've drank of the Holy Spirit. If you have that in church, oh, the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is there. And let me let me put it the other way: if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we won't have much love. We'll have a lot of fake, broken love just like the world. But if we have the Holy Spirit and we are united to Christ, we seek to climb higher to seek the secret energy of the Holy Spirit, just like John, John, John Calvin says. How, how did he put it? He says, he says, climb higher and examine the secret energy of the Holy Spirit by which we enjoy Christ and all His benefits. One of the most obvious ways that that will come out is we will have brotherly affection. We will outdo each other and honor each other. We will really love each other, real genuine love. Now let me say one thing before I go to close my message. I've heard through the grapevine that some of you were not happy with some comments I made last Sunday about Mass, right? And um, I'm not really going to take back those comments because they had nothing to do with politics or anything like that or control, um, but here's a, something I want to say to you, if, especially if you're kind of upset at me. Um, we're, we're not, I'm not going to make you do anything. Our church is not a, a duty-motivated church. It's not a fear-motivated church. It's not a, you know, like a control-motivated church. Do you notice? Like, Young and I, we're not really controlling guys. Why? Because if we controlled you, how we know if the Spirit controlling you? We're going to love you. If you're nervous and you want to wear the mask longer, please do. Nobody's going to judge you. Why? Because we love you. That's it. That's it. I just want to urge you that, you know, if your face is covered, it's hard to get of your heart. And the reason I ask you to consider that is not just because I, as a pastor, I'm just trying to tell you what to do. It's because I, as a member, one of another, I need you. I need you. I don't think I'm the pastor and these people don't need me because I'm the pastor and I know what I'm doing. No, I never forget I'm a sinner, lost without Jesus, badly enough, need of all his grace including and especially of the grace of the body of Christ, one of another, so I can drink of the Holy Spirit from you. So, if you're a little upset at me, please forgive me. Please be patient. We're just going to love you, okay? All right? Let me close this message this way. Um, The gospel, the Holy Spirit, and self-giving Love. Jesus, here's this message. The gospel is this message. We go out into the world. We give each other what we think is love. And there's always some poison in it. Or it's not even really love. It's more like lust. Or it's more like using you. All right? And we drink and eat, not of the Holy Spirit, but of poisons and of lies. But the gospel is, Jesus said that he is the bread of life. He is the food. He is the living water. And he died the death we give so he could wash away all the stuff that makes love corrupt and fake and we would die. And then knowing that we would die when we're on our own, he drew us together after he conquered sin and death on the cross so that we can drink from his love through the Holy Spirit from His love to the Holy Spirit. I don't love church simply because I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to, okay? You know why I love church? Because church is like the most obvious, number one way I get loved by Jesus. Where I drink of the Holy Spirit through Jesus. One of the greatest benefits of being with Jesus and to be saved by Jesus is that he will love you. And you know how he loves you? Not with feelings, not with just good intentions. He will pour out the Holy Spirit on all of the members of the body of Christ so that members one of another, Jesus will love you and you will drink of the Holy Spirit. Let me put it a little bit differently. You meet people and you receive human love all the time. Or at least I hope you do. And if you're not, I'm sorry. And you're probably pretty lonely. If you get real human love, isn't that good? How about an even better love? God's love. God's love isn't just a thing. It's the Holy Spirit himself. (laughs) If you see real love happening... It's the Holy Spirit Himself moving. It's His power. Let me just give you an example and let me close. Um, I hope that you will think of church this way. I hope you will long to go to church and be with your brothers and sisters and meet people that you will drink of the Holy Spirit. And that means you will receive the love of Jesus Christ. And then through them, you are united to Christ. And there, the life of the Holy Spirit in them, as they're united to Christ, love will pour into you and you will become like a cup that overflows. And it never ends. It just goes on and on. And if you start to want that and you start to taste that, you're starting to get, what's at the center of what makes heaven, heaven. Hmm. Let me close with a story. Um, You know, we just, not long ago we had Christmas. And, and a number of you sent me Christmas cards. I, I really, you know, years ago when people sent Christmas cards, I was like, that's nice. Did they say anything interesting? And, then I would look and they were looking and they there like, no. <laughs> it's like they picked something and it's kind of a nice card. And it had Hallmark, American Greek, whatever, okay? And, and, and I always just felt like it was, a, a, you know, a tradition that Christmas card makers <laughs> invented to make money, right? And occasionally one out of every now and then would say words... I remember them, and it was a chance to write a real word and it's hard because you' if you're, you're gonna you're gonna write something genuine love fifty times or thirty times however Christmas cards you give out. but now people don't write anything, but you know what we, it's it's on there they're on there <laughs> their faces, their pictures, their family, and um some people just have one picture, some people put multiple picture and and um, then my, my wife and I, we stick them on our fireplace. We just put a little tip up there. And every year I get a Christmas card from Mike and Kelly Langford. And, of course, every year my kids go, who's that? <laughs> and they, don't, they never met him. I generally don't talk about him. But they get the face of Mike and Kelly Langford and their four children Every year, sometimes it comes late. Sometimes it comes with a letter, and sometimes it doesn't. This year, it came a month late, (laughs) okay? And it came with a kind of a very funny, snarky letter from Kelly Langford. She's a really good writer, and she's really quite funny, right? Let me tell you something about this. I've never met Kelly Langford. Never met her in person. Um, But Mike, Mike, is a brother I've drank of the Holy Spirit. Let me just tell you who Mike is. So Mike and I went to Stanford together. He's my age, my year. And uh, Mike is about yay tall. He's blonde. And he had some kind of birth defect, and he kind of has, um, has a bum leg, and his left arm doesn't really work as great. So his left arm is like this, and his, and, um, but if you ever met Mike, you never think he is handicapped because the man has the joy of Jesus and the love let love be genuine from the first day i met him it's always been like that i met him there i was we were in intervarsity christian fellowship together and i was a lonely kid at stanford and i was looking for some christian friends all my friends Didn't believe in Jesus, and on Friday nights, they liked to get hammered, and I didn't want to get hammered, and I wanted some other friends. And so my sophomore year, there was a sophomore men's group that somebody started, and it met in Mike's room, and I went to that group. You know, sophomore men in college, they're not really loving. (laughs) They're really lame. A lot of them are really lame, even if they believe in Jesus. So we had about eight guys meet pretty regularly. The only guy I felt like who loved me was Mike. <laughs> and the following year, I didn't have a small group. And the guy, there was a guy named Tony. Tony came. He was a year older than me. He was a Korean guy. And he was, hey, Susong, you got, you need, you're in a group? I'm like, no. Do you want to join our group? We're going to focus on loving the poor. I said, oh, are you interested in that? I'm like, I said yes, but I was lying. I really wasn't interested. I was like, not really, but I'll say yes. Yes. And so I joined the group, and we focused on the poor, and we would do st- Bible studies on loving the poor, and then we would go to East Palo Alto and tutor kids in a very, very dangerous neighborhood. And you know who else was in that group? Mike Langford. And every week, me and Mike Langford. And a beautiful sister named Lisa Nordhagen would climb into my car and we'd go into East Palo Alto. And we'd hang out with kids who could recognize drug dealers on the street. He's like, look at that drug dealer. We're like, "Well, where? Where? <laughs> we're like, where? It's like, he's a drug dealer. He's like, he is? And then we're like, oh my goodness. This is a part of your life. And Mike and I served together. And Mike had way more love for the kids than I did. And then years later, he ended up going to Princeton Seminary, and we just bumped into each other once on campus because I took a class at Princeton Seminary. He's like, whoa! And then ever since then, because we, re- we kind of lost touch with each other, ever since then, we never lost touch. And we were not super buddy-buddy in college, but we were brothers. And when we got together he loved me and I drank from the spirit from him and you know what so this past january the letter came late i looked up mike's number i texted him got the letter man it's really funny and you know what it wasn't apparently that number was his wife's number so kelly goes this is actually kelly <laughs> and we started chatting And I've never met her in person. She's great. She's great. Let me tell you something. You're sitting there at your kitchen table, chatting with a sister in Christ you've never met, but you've seen her face and read her words every year. That moment, the Holy Spirit was washing his love over me. It's like a little piece of heaven. It's like a little piece of heaven. And they're busy, and I'm busy, and we're not going to get to hang out. But that's why it's awesome that heaven is forever and there ain't no clock. Kelly and Mike Langford are going to be some of my peeps. Going to love hanging out with them. This is what it's like. Come to church. Remember Jesus loved you. Drink from the Holy Spirit. Let love be genuine and let revive be the outer outskirts of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Mike. Thank you for Kelly. I've never even met their kids and their kids are so beautiful to me. And Lord, we are in a season there's a lot of loneliness and love is hard to find. And yet every Sunday, and sometimes it's Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever GLF meets, or whenever our life on life mission and discipleship meets, or whenever I'm having coffee with my brother or my sister, you offer us the reality that we can drink of the Holy Spirit. And that it isn't just that I am united to you, Jesus, alone, but we are united to you. And you will pour out tremendous love. You will pour out your spirit on us. And the more such love there is, and the more such people that is, the more our life will be rich and full and heavenly. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you came to wash away our wickedness so love can be genuine. And all our brothers and sisters, we can be heavenly, and this will never end. Thank you, Lord. We honor you, we love you. Help us to receive this and walk in this. In Jesus' name, amen.